0: This is Photo episode number 468 and today we are talking with a super experienced photographer. She's been in business for over 25 years. Her initial focus was commercial photography. She transitioned to wedding photography and now she's all in on portrait photography. In fact, she's just about to open her second studio and has a projected income for the year of $900 thousand U.S. dollars. I'm talking about the amazing Kelly Wilkie, and that interview is coming up in just a minute.
1: Hola y bienvenido to the PSX podcast with your host, Andrew Helmetsch. This episode is coming to you from the beautiful town of Girona in Spain's northeastern Catalonia region.
0: Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am coming to you from Girona in Spain. It's a little medieval town just north of Barcelona, and it has been an incredible first week here for us. When I say us, there's a group of friends here, six of us staying in this incredibly old house, which we found on Airbnb. It's a three-story house, has a swimming pool. The owners are just delightful. They're staying on the lower floors of their home and could not be more helpful and welcoming. We've already racked up over 800 kilometers on our bikes in this first week. The weather is absolutely glorious, especially considering what we've left behind in Australia, where things were getting very cool, were very wet and windy. We're here, it is blue skies. 28 degrees Celsius is the norm. The roads, the countryside, The drivers are all fantastic. There are cyclists everywhere. It really is an incredible part of the world if you love cycling. And that's why so many of the professionals are actually based here and why so many amateur cyclists are attracted to the area as well. Not to mention the incredible food, the beautiful old town and the fun of exploring new places. Uh, It really has been a great first week here. And one one of the best things for me, having been here before, is seeing the faces of my friends that haven't been in this part of the world before. Uh, one in particular, Adam, he arrived just yesterday. He's never been outside the country to ride his bike. He's been dreaming about this trip for the last two years. And uh, just to see the smile on his face as he's uh, riding around the countryside was, uh, was, yeah, it was pretty magic. It, really, it was like watching your kids open presents on Christmas morning. Uh, it, was, it was that much fun. Anyway, enough about me and my holidays. I'm sure I'll be updating you over the next couple of months with little bits and pieces. I've got a great interview for you today with Kelly. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Before we do get into the interview with Kelly, if you didn't catch last week's interview with Hank Paul, who is the queer photographer who is helping other photographers get the language and their copy on their website and their advertising right to attract the LGBTQT community, community at the very least not push them away the feedback from his interview from Hank's interview has been so positive and I have to say I was concerned about some of the questions I was asking I was worried about saying the wrong thing offending potentially you, Hank and really just not being comfortable covering the topics that we were covering but Hank made it super easy and again, the feedback has been great. It feels like the way Hank explained things, it's not so difficult to be an all-inclusive photographer. If you haven't heard that interview, make sure you do get back and have a listen to that one, particularly if you want to make sure that you are representing yourself as an all-inclusive photographer and you do want to be attracting clients from the LGBTQ community. Man, I still have to think about those letters as I say them. They do do not roll off the tongue easily for me, as you will have heard (laughs) from the interview last week. You're listening to the number
1: one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com.
0: If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Kelly. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. It's when we dive into the nitty-gritty of the Facebook ads that she's using, how she's preparing her clients, her leads her prospective clients, to be ready to spend when they come in for their sales session after their portrait photography shoot. If that's the kind of content you don't want to miss... You can easily access the full interview today with a $1 30-day trial membership. To learn more about that, head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great day for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Two years ago, today's guest wrote inside the PhotoBizX members Facebook group. I've been busy putting into motion a new direction in my work after completely rethinking my business after 25 years as a full-time commercial, then wedding photographer. And she went on to say, I've consistently brought home about the same amount every year. I'm thankful for my success over the years, but in the past three months, my sales total has exceeded my best year ever. My $100,000 goals for the year are now quarterly or even monthly goals in the near future. Total life-changing. Thank you. And then six weeks ago, she posted this inside the group. I have to thank you for leading me to my career game changer. I'm forever grateful after 26 plus years in the business. I'm talking about Kelly Wilkie of The Portrait Club by Kelly Wilkie who has a projected revenue for 2022 of over $900,000. And yes, I am rapt to have her with me now. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. I'm
1: too to be here. I wanted to say that. <laughs> I've been listening to you for so many years. I, I can't live on the earth. It's kind of exciting.
0: <laughs> it's so good to have you on, Kelly. And like, what do you think when you hear that revenue number 900K, 900 k $900,000?
1: As a photographer doing this for so many years, I never thought that was actually even possible, except for maybe some of the upper echelon commercial photographers. It's actually shocking to me every month
0: <laughs> still. So which part is shocking? Is it the numbers? Is it the fact that clients are happy to pay what they're paying? Is it the number of leads you're bringing? Like, Which part is shocking?
1: I think all of it. I didn't know. I think I used to wait for people to come to me. I was very shy and I would literally... Like, I thought if I just put it out there, people would come. What I've learned is it's not if you build it, they will come. It's you better go get them and make them come. <laughs> and the shocking part is just the possibility. And it's actually limitless. I mean, as long as, you know, it's hard as I want to work, I can keep working and actually just, you know, make more. And I never thought that was possible. It's, it's incredible.
0: Wow. And you had a successful business like before all these life-changing events, didn't you? Like bringing in $100,000 is a nice business.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was my net also. And it was consistent for 20 plus years. I started out as a commercial photographer and I met my husband, had three kids and sort of reinvented myself a couple of times and moved. And I landed into weddings finally, which is something I said I would never do, but I actually really loved it and it was fun and was doing really well. I was intent on getting awards and really just focused on it. And I was actually doing a lot of different things from real estate to branding, headshots. I have a photo booth company. I was doing weddings and commercial and probably something else I can't even think of, you know, food and all the stuff that I've done throughout the years. I was doing it all. I became the family diner of photography, which I think I came up, that term was in one of your previous speakers. So
0: (laughs) So, I mean, to me, it sounds pretty, I think it's pretty rare for a commercial photographer to go into weddings. I don't think it's as strange for a wedding photographer to go to portraits. So first of all, how did you get into commercial photography? Were you trained as a commercial photographer?
1: I was. So I graduated after college. I had a business degree and I graduated with a commercial photography school in the South in Atlanta, Georgia. So it was a well-known school. There were people from all over the world coming to this place, and I was shooting four by five film for you know in school, and then then in jobs later on, um, very commercial oriented. And yes, a wedding photographer were looked down upon as a commercial photographer, <laughs> so I said I would never do it, but I did.
0: And my understanding is with commercial photography, I mean, the really the limit is endless there too, as far as revenue is concerned. I mean, you could. You know, go into car photography or, um, you know, I guess pretty specialized type photography and make big dollars. Did you ever sort of look or explore those avenues?
1: I had some big clients. I had a grocery store and I had a few big clients, but it was always, you know, if one of them went away, it was a big hit. So, and I've and real dealing with art directors and they're worried about losing their jobs. It was always a kind of a, a dog and pony show and a big production. And, a lot went into it, and I actually loved the still. I I didn't want to shoot people at all. I just wanted to be in the studio and not talk to people. <laughs> just funny that I'm now shooting people, but yeah, I definitely had some big clients, and and was in that track. I don't know why I never really you know made big money out of it, but I had some decent years. I mean, when I say it, you know, my average was decent and consistent through the years. Through the ups and downs, you know, certainly there were some years that were bigger than others, but, you know, on the average, it was consistent.
0: For sure. And the reason I ask is, you know, I'm interested to know why now all of a sudden the revenue has jumped to, you know, potentially 900, getting close to a million dollars, you know, photographing portraits where it would feel like you could have that potential, you know, 20 years ago as a commercial photographer. Has something just clicked now all of a sudden?
1: Yeah, so I've reinvented myself several times, like I said, and I had to move to different markets. I moved moved, by my husband and moved to another city when we had twins and had to start over again. And so that momentum is hard. And, and really, when digital came around, it definitely changed the industry. You know, the art directors were then just shooting a lot of the products themselves. Um, I didn't really want to have a big studio. I just didn't want to have the whole dog and pony show. I just wasn't really interested in doing that. I had great little clients that were a lot of editorial that all went away in you know 2008. It just disappeared. Um, I had a lot of design companies I worked for, like little companies and they were great they were consistent clients and really good. You know, where I am now is really because of the pandemic, honestly.
0: Okay. Right. I'm keen to learn more about that in just a second, but why did everything disappear in 2008? Was that because of the advent of digital and people doing their own photography?
1: No, the market crashed, and all the photographers around, even Atlanta where I lived, everybody was closing up their studios. Everybody, the business just stopped. My clients decided to start buying stock photography. I was shooting travel stories for airlines, stuff, four or five different airlines. I was shooting in-depth travel pieces, and that was, you know, they'd send me to a city for a week, and I'd shoot mayors and artists and food and restaurants and you know, just people around the towns. And that was a great little, you know, little thing that just stopped. And then another client I had was a magazine that I shot for for 15 or 18 years. And they decided to stop publishing as well after 30 years of publishing. Magazines went away. You know, it just, everything just changed. I mean, 2003, I would say was digital. When digital came out, you know, we were on the, we definitely did digital right away and people were excited about it. The quality was terrible compared to film, (laughs) but the clients, they wanted it. So we did it you know, it was just, um, 2008 was pretty rough. Like we lost a lot of clients.
0: (laughs) Right. So is that when the wedding photography business was born out of necessity at that time?
1: No, I actually had met my husband just by coincidence on a ski lift when I was house sitting out in the out West and we had three children very quickly and we actually had twins. So we moved back East to be near family And it was after the kids got a little bit bigger, I thought that weddings would be a good, easy, low stress, you know, one good money for a couple of weeks, you know, days in the week, weekends, whatever. And I thought, I'll give it a shot. And I didn't realize how many hours would go into it (laughs) and how hard it was going to be.
0: But it was successful.
1: Yes, it was successful. I've, you know, I became one of the most expensive photographers in my little area I was winning awards. I got nominated for Range Fighter Rising 30. I didn't win, but two or three years, they actually two years they nominated me, which you have to be nominated by the editors. So that was a huge thing. And I was really pumped. You know, I'm like, this is, you know, I'm getting into this. I'm going to be, you know, I'm good at this. I can do this. And then the pandemic hit.
0: Well, okay. So this all was all pretty recently. It's all pretty fresh.
1: Yeah. Very-
0: so the wedding photography business was really humming along. Like You were going great.
1: It was. I mean, I was doing that as well as real estate headshots on location. You know, my photo booth company. I had a lot of lot of different things going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, just before we dive deeper into to what you're doing now, tell me about meeting your husband on the ski lift. So were you all rugged <laughs> up? Like, could you even see each other?
1: <laughs> well, so funny enough, I grew up out west, and I was a ski racer in high school. With some Olympic skiers, actually, which I don't think I could ever have beat them, but I like to say I was on the team with them. So <laughs> I, won't, I won't name names, but it was pretty fun. I could get down the mountain okay. And my husband was living out in Wyoming and he said we had a moment at the top of the hill, and I don't remember that, but I raced down the hill and and he was down there smiling at the bottom of the hill and watched me ski in. And he remember he had this big smile. So this guy down at the bottom with a big smile on his face, and he busted through the line to get through the singles line. He actually like like busted through like 20 people to get on the lift with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just for the listener who doesn't ski, when you say the singles line, what do you mean then? It's not people that aren't attached, is it?
1: Oh, So when people are skiing by themselves, you have a, a one line. We have going to go into the line with one person versus a bunch of group of person, people. And then you jump in with other people on the lift. So <laughs> it's really, there's an etiquette in there. And what he did was not, proper unetiquette for skiing (laughs) when you like actually pass people and butt in lines. It's quite rude. So he did it to get on the lift with me.
0: Absolutely. So he had a lift ride from the bottom of the mountain to the top to make an impression on you. Yes. And he did it.
1: (laughs) He did. He took me on a couple of crazy runs that I think it was a test to see if I could hang out with him. And then he asked me out for, you know, upgrade, upgrade beer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's your husband's name? Andy. Ah, nice. Yeah, just
1: like you, Andrew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I get Andy too by all my sporting mates. So it's Andrew for the podcast and usually Andy when I'm out riding the bike or I'm playing golf and skiing and stuff. (laughs) So Andy, has he had his own business, his own job the whole way along? And is he still doing what he's always been doing or has he come across to the business now?
1: No, he is still doing what he did. He just needs a phone. He's a corporate recruiter, which I think headhunter is really the, the word most people know but he doesn't like that. <laughs> so I try not to say that, but for this, that he's not going to hear it anyway. So <laughs> for Ed, I'm sure he might, I guess, but uh, yeah, so he's been doing that forever and he just needed a phone. So he was living out and skiing in the afternoon, living out West and working in the daytime in the morning on East coast hours. And he's still doing the same thing. And he works from home also. So we're both here to help with the kids and he's aware of what I'm doing and very psyched <laughs> so <and> supportive. <laughs> so, yeah but not involved.
0: Fantastic. And how old are the kids?
1: My twins are 10 and my other one has just turned 12. All boys.
0: Okay. Wow. So it's a busy household.
1: It is. We are very busy.
0: Okay. (laughs) And give us a snapshot of where you are right now, because it's been mayhem, hasn't it?
1: (laughs) It has. So I opened up my studio here in, in Delaware about a week ago, not even a week ago, we had our grand opening and I am at the same time, opening a studio in Atlanta, uh, a second studio, which was not planned to happen at the same time. But because we found a space and my space here was delayed, um, it happens to be happening at the same time, which is a little chaotic, but
0: making it happen. Incredible. Uh, Just amazing. So with both these studios, are you photographing in both or do you have staff?
1: No. The funny thing is, I feel like I'm not even shooting much anymore. (laughs) I feel like I push files around (laughs) on my computer. And I I actually have a full day coming up next week because the photographer I've hired is not available. And I realize I have like eight sessions in a day. And I'm kind of thinking, "What, what was that all about? I'm not used to that. And my second studio, we've hired somebody and we'll probably hire one more person to be a backup for us. We've trained them and they're ready to go.
0: God, okay, so how far apart are uh, Delaware and Atlanta?
1: About an hour and a half flight.
0: Flight? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. so this is like, this is serious stuff. This is a, yeah. I, I don't want to say risk, but it, like this is full on.
1: Yeah, you know, for as far as expanding and growing, Atlanta was a good market for me because I lived there for so many years and I went to photography school there. You know, I know a lot of people. I feel like I have the contacts that I need to make it a little bit easy easier hiring was not as easy as I thought it would be, especially right now. Nobody wants to work and it's been a challenge, but, you know, through my contacts, it's, it's made it happen. And I know the area well enough to go down there and look, and there's just so many people there and it's so it's vibrant. There's a lot of money, there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's just very vibrant in so many ways that that's why I selected it. And that I already know that market.
0: Fantastic. Why do you say people don't want to work at the moment?
1: Um, in the US, I don't know if it's like that anywhere else, but there's a huge problem right now hiring people. It seems to be a constant issue for businesses. You know, you go all over the place and they're they're say, please be patient with us. We can't, you know, we have staffing issues, staffing issues. So that's a big thing right now. I don't know if the photographers are busy, if they don't want to work, if they're getting unemployment, I don't really know what's going on, but it's been difficult and I'm paying well. So, um, You know, hopefully, some of your readers are going to be contacting me, (laughs) 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 or your listeners, I should say.
0: Uh, So obviously, you've got a model that you can replicate in another city, and it's a proven model in Delaware. So you've had a, you've got some runs on the board there, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I feel very confident. We've already done some test runs down there, had some shoots, and they were extremely successful. I think I did two days of shooting and made as much as I did, you know, in Delaware in a month. So I'm feeling good about, you know, about the whole Atlanta move. I'm not concerned. It's just logistically, it's a little difficult. So, but it's not totally unattainable. So I'm excited.
0: Unreal. So tell me about the business model. Like, what is it? Like, what has brought about this success that you're experiencing and that you feel can you can just replicate and keep going and keep expanding?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I took a good look at my business. You know, wedding stopped. As everybody knows, we all sat down and kind of like evaluated our lives, what's going on, what's important, you know, spending time with family. And I thought it was a good time to, you know, I'd been listening to you for so many years and I've been implementing lots of things and trying different things. And it's been so fantastic. I get on the treadmill every morning. I listen to you. So it's my you know, day every morning. I listen. And I was, you know, pulling out different pieces here and there and and I thought, well, I'm going to just maybe contact, you know, a business coach through listening to you. And I did that, and that was in July during the pandemic. Which hiring a business coach during a pandemic for you know X amount of dollars is a bit risky. I didn't actually tell my husband, and I jumped. I'm, I'm kind of going to jump full in on things. I don't really just test the waters. So I jumped full in and and hired him. I hired Bernie, and I just I liked him from your podcast, and so. I asked him, I said, do you think I can, you can help me? (laughs) What are your numbers? What are your sales? I said, I don't have any sales. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I don't sell anything. I just, I just shoot, get check, and I give them their photos. That's it. And that's how I ran my business for so long. And you know, the translation, that was a little, (laughs) a little bit difficult conversation. But from there, you know, I was already set up with a studio in my house because I did a lot of headshots in my house and I did some sessions. Most of the time I would go on location so it was a quick transition to, to take some of Bernie's suggestions and, you know, sort of transform my house into a portrait studio. And I, I sort of distrusted the process and it, it paid off. And so the first month, you know, I think I had a half a month and I think I, I sold like 10 grand wow. and I was like during the pandemic. Right. So I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> so the next month I think I sold like 40 grand or something, 30 or 40 or something like insane. So I then told my husband, I said, so I'm kind of making some good money doing this thing. And I got to just tell you, like, I hired this guy and, and, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) He goes, if you're making that kind of money, you can do what you want.
0: (laughs) So good.
1: I then converted my living room. We had my kids pulling carpet out. We turned the playroom into a studio in the house. And that's where I've been shooting for two years.
0: Okay, so you were shooting right up until you opened the new studio, making, I think you told me, like four, nearly $500,000 shooting in your living room.
1: Yeah, yeah, out of my living room at about 300 square feet. Unreal. So this is where the business model came into play where, you know, I was doing Zoom sales and I'm making it work, you know, using ProSelect and doing, and just having a Zoom sale using Bernie's process, but kind of adapting it to Zooms. And so the whole idea came about of, okay, well, you don't have to have a big studio. You don't have to have the dog and pony show. I mean, I did hire a designer. I did it right. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. I'd redid this whole room. People walk in and they're impressed. You know, I wasn't just, you know, there wasn't a dog and pony show, but it did look really nice when they came in. So it was presentable and it set the tone for what I was asking for, you know, large amounts of money, which, you know, you want to have that confidence and have, a space that you feel confident asking that kind of money. Um, I was a little nervous at first. Actually, I think my first price list, I think Bernie said, let's go to cringeworthy and then <laughs> and then we'll leave it there and see how it goes. And it was it was cringeworthy to me to ask that much.
0: Right. So when you say cringeworthy, you mean way higher than what you had ever charged before.
1: Way higher than I would like ever think to ask.
0: Wow. Okay. (laughs) Let me, Kelly, take you back to that very first month when I think you said it was, was it two or three weeks you had a $10,000 turnover? Yeah. Tell me about that very first week. So I'm guessing, I'm assuming that you ran some wanted ads on Facebook and brought in some clients. Is that right?
1: Yes, I did do that. I made a few of my own calls and those were disastrous. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't prepare my clients well. And that's one thing I really learned through this process, is that the clients need to be really well prepared when they come to you so that there's no surprises. I did bring in some friends, people that had hired me before in the past. And I said, I'm doing this stuff. And I had some angry people. (laughs) I won't lie. Like it was not pretty. But in the midst of that, I had some good sales, even though they were you know, I don't think they would come back to me now, even though I know them. Now I know better and I know how to prepare them better. And then we can still stay friends. <laughs> so it was a little it was a little dicey in the beginning, but I did learn a lot from that month.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to go into, or I'm going to ask you to go into some more detail there, but who did you target for that very first month? Do you remember?
1: I think I did families. I think I did families. Right. So I was just looking for that. I did Bernie style ads and we were just looking for families.
0: Okay. So you brought some families in. So when you say you now know that you have to much better prepare the client before the session, what do you mean by that?
1: So our process, it's very similar to some of the people on that have been on here where we have a landing page, people fill out a form And then we have a call person that calls them and gets them on. Um, Part of our process is to make sure that that client is really well prepared in what they get and what they don't get and what to expect. So I think that's really important. You know, I don't want to scare them away, but I also don't want to have any surprises when when they get there. So we make sure through multiple contact points that they understand what is expected, what they're going to get and how it all works. Because a lot of people are so used to now getting the digital files with their, you know, their flat rate fee, their shoot and burn, that they don't know this kind of model. So it's just kind of educating them. But there are a lot of people out there who do understand that model. Their parents did that they hired, you know, they were in the film days where they bought prints and they paid a lot for them. So those people some, they kind of get it and they want that service as well.
0: So are you literally, because I'm guessing you made these calls in the beginning, would you literally say to a lead, a potential client that you do not get the digital files?
1: Yes. I mean, I would say, I would explain to them that this is what you get. You're getting a session. You're welcome to buy anything if you'd like. You don't have to. It's totally up to you.
0: Right. And then do you also say, I mean, let's say for argument's sake, your average sale is $2,000 or $1,500. Do you tell them that's what most people spend on average or do you inflate or reduce that?
1: I keep it around. You know, I think I usually tell people, and although I don't make most of my um, my calls now, I think I usually tell them, you know, I will say something like most people spend around $1,500, $2,000 to get some digital files or prints. You know, that's what the typical spend is. So I do say that. I don't want them to come in thinking that they can get something for $200 because they can't, (laughs) like literally.
0: Right, yes. And this is what you mean by you want them still to be your friends after they experience a session.
1: Yeah, yeah. and and not think I'm just going to give them all the files or any files or anything actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, they're not getting anything for free apart from the session.
1: They're not getting anything. They're getting my time for
0: free. Yes. So when you have all these leads coming in, so you're running your Facebook ad and you're bringing people to a landing page, getting lots of uh, forms completed. How many of those or in a percentage, you know, are you trying, not trying to, but how many are you pushing away and saying, look, this isn't a good fit for you?
1: So we book between eight and 12% of the leads generally. And that's a constant process of, you know, changing and tweaking and trying to make that better. You know, leads are expensive. And so we want to definitely make the most of them.
0: Absolutely. So is it more expensive to acquire a lead or to have a lead slip through that doesn't actually spend?
1: I would rather them not come in if they don't spend. It definitely is expensive. I mean, also because I have a photographer now that works for me and so I have to pay her whether they spend or not. So that does become more expensive. So I definitely, you know, even if somebody calls and it's past the date that they're allowed to cancel and they just say, we can't afford this. it's We want our money back and our deposit. I mean, I'd rather take the loss on, you know, paying my, my call person, then adding more to that pot, more to that pot to have to have it be an expense. So I feel like it's, I just get rid of them.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> basically. Because you're, like you said, you're paying someone else to make these calls as well. So is that someone making the calls for both studios or do you have a separate person in each studio?
1: I have a couple of people making calls. You know, I have a main person that calls for everybody for both studios. And it's pretty seamless. We have a pretty great system and, you know, we're always tweaking it, certainly. But I do have a backup person as well.
0: Right. So is that a she or a he, the people making the calls? A
1: she and a he. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Actually.
0: That's interesting. So is the he, is the he the backup person?
1: Yes, yes. And he's actually new, so I don't have a lot of numbers on that yet.
0: I'm really curious to know, and I'd love to, even if we sort of revisit this in the future, even just via an email or a message... I would be really curious to know if he is as successful as she is.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to find out as well. I always thought that I needed to have a woman call because I'm a woman. You know, I've recently rebranded everything, so it's not so about me. It's more, you know, a kind of a brand for it that we can go bigger with. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Hopefully, you know, it's just personality and, and style.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think it will be different, but I'm just curious to know. Yeah. So when you're training your, I don't know, do you call them your sales team, your callers? What's their title?
1: I say sales, but I think we tell the client it's a, client coordinator. Right. Okay. But I say sales team, but I don't call that my sales team because I don't want them to think we're like, you know, trying to sell them which we are, but <laughs> sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's but it's that and on the other hand, we're trying to make sure they understand everything, so they are a client coordinator.
0: Absolutely. So when you're training and tweaking the processes with your client coordinators, are you encouraging them to turn people away if they've got any kind of feeling that this client won't spend?
1: Yes. And how we do that is we explain to them that it's really emotional to walk away from the photos. And it is, and it's true. I mean, we don't want people to be like, you know, so upset that they come in and do a session like, Oh my gosh, we had no idea. These were so expensive. I'm so so sad. I'm, or I'm going to put myself in debt to get these photos. We don't want that. We want the right customer. So we do discourage them they still come in sometimes because they just want some, especially during the pandemic, we got a lot of people that just wanted something to do (laughs) (laughs) and just wanted like an outing. So, you know, but those people we do discourage, definitely.
0: Right. So what are you doing then to try and make sure that you get more, uh, more of the right client, the client with that, you know, the kind of income that can afford to pay what you're charging?
1: Yeah. So I'm starting to work on, you know, actually I listened to, I think I've had one of your classes of the evergreen. I've, you know, trying to learn how to do the pixel your site and, and I haven't done it yet. So these are some of my goals, you know, to get done this year and this summer to try to sort of hone in on you know, our ideal client and to do some Facebook lookalike audiences and things like that. So it's just, we have so much going on. I'm trying to learn all this by myself and do it on my own, that it's a lot to do, but I'm piecing it off as much as I can. And we're always tweaking the ads and the landing pages and, you know, just trying to find those right people.
0: Right. Let's say you're testing two different landing pages. Do you just make a change to the one landing page you have or do you send you know half an audience to one landing page half to another and see which one converts but like he's split testing
1: i have not done that yet no
0: okay so it's really just tweaking as you go
1: i just make a tweak and then just me- le- then measure it and see if we have a better outcome
0: right okay got it so it's really it's really all about the ad copy the ad images and then location-based targeting
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: okay so you going say for atlanta For the new studio, because you know Atlanta, I guess you know Delaware as well. Are you picking certain suburbs or do you just target the whole of Atlanta?
1: Premium members of PhotoBizX hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest.
0: So, if we're to talk in 12 months' time, Kelly, how many studios are you going to have? what's the dream
1: okay i think three i'm not gonna go past three for this year <laughs> it may kill me not this is the case i won't be on your show so that you know. <laughs> i tried to open up for <laughs> so
0: and have you had the conversation with andy about quitting his job and coming to work for you yet
1: <laughs> no i think you know, sometimes i say you should, he should work a word for me but Really, I just need him to find me a salesperson and another photographer, since that's what he does. That's right. Yes. Maybe he should come work for me in that capacity.
0: (laughs) Headhunt what I need. Has he found any of your staff so far?
1: No. Well, actually, (laughs) our photographer here in Delaware, he's known her for years and we already knew her beforehand. So that was, he sort of found her.
0: (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. Kelly, where's the best place for the listener to see more of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so probably our website kellywilkie.com, kelly with an i, w i l k e and, you know, Instagram and Facebook of course, but We try to do lots of little stories and, you know, keep stuff up on that. I don't do a whole lot on Instagram, but I do like Instagram personally. So I put stuff on there (laughs) and I don't think i get anything out of it. It's really just for me.
0: Nice. I'm going to add links to wherever the listener can find you online in the show notes. So you've got kellywilkey.com. I'm guessing it's going to become portraitclub.com, is it? Yes.
1: Yeah. So during the pandemic, I was supposed to redo my website for weddings in May, like when the pandemic hit. And that had to stop. And then I redid it all. And, you know, now I have to redo it again. So when we get that rebuilt, it'll be Portrait Club and have a little bit different look. But so I just got the new name and we just is a pretty recent switch over some of the process of changing that now so we'll get it done as soon as
0: i can get it done (laughs) how exciting it's so good to talk to you after all these years and hear about your success i'm amazed that you know by what you're doing what you've achieved what you what your plans are just mind-blowing and i'm so so happy for you thank you a massive thanks for coming on and sharing part of the story you're awesome kelly
1: thanks i appreciate all that you've done. And I, swear you have, because of you, my entire world has completely changed with this business. And if I hadn't found you, I certainly wouldn't have found Bernie and I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So I have to seriously thank you for that. It's, it's incredible.
0: That's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. I just posted just recently about doing a, uh, a where are they now type of series of interviews. So hopefully we can be doing that with you in a couple of years time, looking back at you back on and see, hear about your 10 studios around the country. <laughs>
1: or a hundred
0: we'll see I love it I love it
1: I don't
0: know (laughs) Kelly again massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you have
1: thank you Andrew I
0: appreciate it I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kelly as much as I did Kelly if you are listening I'll say it again congratulations on your success you really are amazing thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you did I am so looking forward to the feedback from listeners following this interview. So again, thank you so much, Kelly. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways. If there was one thing that Kelly shared that you think, yes, absolutely, I can utilize that in my business, I would love to hear about that. Let me know inside the Premium Members Facebook group if you're a Premium member. And obviously, Kelly is a member too, so you'll have easy access to her in the group. Uh, Maybe you have a follow-up question. Maybe you want to share with her, what your favorite takeaway was or is. And of course, if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, I'm sure Kelly would love to hear from you there as well. And if you'd like to see more from Kelly, I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode, including examples of her beautiful work. It's all there in that one spot. And you'll find that at photobizx.com forward slash 468. koo
1: it's shout out time.
0: I have one big shout out for today's episode and this goes to Anya Pullman from the UK. She is an incredibly talented family photographer based in Brighton and Hove and the really cool thing about this review is that I know Anya personally. I traveled to India with her. It must be 5 or 6 years ago now. We had the most incredible trip with a group of photographers. And uh, it's so, so wonderful to know that Anya is still listening to the podcast, which is so cool. She says in her five-star rating and her lovely review, I've been listening to Andrew's podcast for years and absolutely love the variety of guests and topics. Andrew asks questions nobody else dares to and isn't afraid to get uncomfortable himself. There's so much to learn, not just from Andrew's guests, but his approach to business himself and his openness to explore new concepts and ideas. Absolutely love it. Anya, if you are listening, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that rating and review. I hope you are doing well. I've added a link using a keyword phrase that I'm guessing you're looking to rank for. Uh, pointing back to your website, but please go in and check the show notes and make sure I have that right. If you'd like me to change that keyword phrase, let me know. I'll be happy to do that. Uh, And again, hope you are doing well. So great to see your name pop up and love knowing that you're out there listening to the podcast. That's so cool. Thanks, Anya. Okay, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Once I finish getting this ready and out to you, I'm going to be heading down to the local markets with a few of the guys here at the house What we've been doing most nights is pulling some of our cash, buying different foods, and putting on a spread for the whole group each night. It's been fantastic. The cheese, the bread, the meats, the fruit, the vegetables have all been so, so fresh, so amazing, bought directly from the markets, the farmers themselves. Uh, It really has been a fun way to be eating. I haven't eaten meat for the last three years, and last night was the first time I've had a steak, in a long, long time, I wasn't going to. But when Brett, one of my buddies, and I were down at the markets buying up some meat for the others in the group, I saw the the butcher at the market slicing up this fresh meat, and <laughs> it really did look so good. And uh, I said, "Yeah, I'll I'll try one. I'll have one too." And uh, Brett cooked it up on a barbecue of hot coals. He cooked a steak for each of us, and uh, it was it was pretty damn good. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you are safe, healthy and well. hope you're having a fantastic week. I'll be back next week with another episode, another interview for you. I'm looking forward to hearing your comments regarding what Kelly had to share today. So make sure you let me know your thoughts on that. And I'll see you inside the members Facebook group if you are a premium member. Alrighty, that's it from me from Girona this week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.